online, we're so glad that you're watching our service today. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice, rejoice and be what? Now you can be sad, but that is your choice. God says that you can be glad in him. God is a good God, great God. Look at someone and say, I'm so glad you're here. Just introduce yourself to someone. Just tell them, I'm so glad you're here. Tell them they look wonderful. <laughs> God is so good. Good to see you, Jack. Family, good to see you guys back there. Good to see you all. Look at you. You look wonderful. Look wonderful. Good to see you guys. Now that you come back, uh, come back, come into church, you put a smile on and look like a million bucks, okay? Just look at you and say, you look like a million bucks. Uh, come on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, we're coming to this place to worship God. We come into this place to just grab hold of God, to allow God to do His work. How many of you want God to do something in your heart, in your life? How many really want God to show up and show off because He is who He said He is? Amen? Give Him some praise one more time because He is who He says He is. When we recognize who He is, when we recognize who He is, we need to recognize what He has said to us, His promises in which is given to us. That's the beauty of it all. Let's go to Father, and let's just ask him to just have his way in our hearts today. And Father, we are so grateful just to come in this place to learn of you. You are our Lord. You are our God. You are the fortress in which we trust. We can't, but you can. And so, Father, as we cast all our cares on you, will you, God, will you touch each one and you help us to become all that you've created us to be. We now lift up our hearts and our voice and the joy that you've put in our hearts to praise you for all you have done, are doing, and will do. We ask this in the majestic name, the righteous name, the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's worship the Lord. Well, good morning. How in the world are you? <laughs> We're going to, as you know, last week, we talked about the rapture. And I had a little friend of mine, his name was Fisherman Joe. How many remember Fisherman Joe? Well, you don't see him anymore. Anybody know why? He was raptured. And if you haven't seen the video or you weren't here and missed that uh, sermon, um, that's a very, very important sermon because the next prophetic thing to take place for God's church is the rapture. One day, God's coming back. He's going to take his bride, his church. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that in a twinkling of an eye, we are going to be with the Lord. And we flashed our eyes. It's gone. And Joe was here. He was waving to you. Everything was great. And then, poof, he was gone. I laid that brick to lay today's brick. And then there are future bricks to come and lead us to a big celebration. Everybody say celebration. How many like to pate? Come on. Celebrate the goodness of God. Yeah. You know, we need to realize that we need to celebrate. And we're going to have a celebration. And we're going to have a cause why we're going to celebrate. And you're going to be part of it. That being said... I want to talk today to you about um, mission-minded. I don't have my clicker. Does anybody know where my clicker is? No? Well, if I don't have my clicker, we might as well go home today. All right, let's go home. It's on the piano. 
It is on the piano. Thank you so much. Oh, you got to stay now. Some of you were really excited there for a little bit, weren't you? You're like, all right. I'm glad that, thank you, Aaron. If you get mad, get mad at Aaron because he told me where my clicker was. I want to talk to you about be mission-minded. This is important. How many of you have ever lost your phone? Raise your hand. Okay. How many have ever uh, lost your car keys or maybe even uh, something really important to you? You lost it. You don't know where it is. How did you feel? Frustrated, weren't you? You're frustrated. Especially you lose your, my phone here carries everything. I mean, it has everything in it. It is my walking computer. My reference, I go to my phone. When I lose my phone, I'm concerned. And unfortunately, there's a few times where, thank you for an Apple Watch, where I can just hit a button and it goes ding, 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 ding. That has saved me many times. But when I can't find my phone, and if my phone, my watch is dead, I get on a mission. What is my mission? To find a phone. If you lose your keys to the car, how many of you only have one car key to your car, and it has a chip in it and everything, and you only have one key? I'm going to recommend you really to get two keys. Right, Paula? <laughs> when you lose something that's precious... When you lose something that's precious, you, you go on a mission. You are mission-minded. Someone could call you. You don't care. Someone wants your attention. I'm sorry. I don't have to. I got to find my phone. You go on a mission. And when you're on a mission, and you should all have notes. How many got your notes? So take the journey with me. When you're on a mission, you are focused. You are focused on what is lost. You are concerned because what has been lost has, watch this now, value. This is a big question. What do you value? And when you lose the thing you value, what do you do about it? It causes us to get focused. It causes us to be concerned. And then we are determined, determined to find that which was lost. You are, when you lose something that's important to you, you become mission-minded. Someone say mission-minded. And all of us are like that. We get really focused because it's important to us. Let me lay another example for you. Um, when I go fishing, I am fish-minded. Uh, my brother, um, he watches, hi, Jerry. Um, <laughs> he, um, he just made me something that was, uh, and he asked me if I wanted to be a surprise or he do I want to see it. And I said, I want a surprise. And he said, well, let me show it to you then. But he made something on a laser, uh, on a, um, not a laser, a laser burner, I guess, a laser, what a printer, whatever it is. It's a laser um, that burns into wood. And, um, and it's a, a person fishing and everything, and it says, don't forget to put down the pole and enjoy the scenery. And I told him, you know, that's really, that's really good for me to, to put that in front of me because I get so, when I'm fishing, I'm out to conquer. I'm out to catch the fish. I'm out to put it on the plate. I'm out to, you know, I, and after I catch a good fish, I bring it in. Woo! We'll go right out and see if we get something bigger. How many understand? You're on a mission. Some people say, can't you just enjoy it? I am enjoying it. But I'm very mission-minded when I fish. When I hunt, when I hunt, I'm out to bring food to the table. Why do you think Aaron is as healthy as he is? Right, Aaron? 
And those kids could put it away. And then all my nephews, they could put it away. They could eat a deer in two meals, sometimes I thought. Almost two meals. And so the reality is that we get mission-minded. And I want to get mission-minded on the things of the Lord because how often are you really focused on the things of the Lord? We focus on a lot of things in life that are important to our hearts and important to those in our life. But how about where the Lord is? The Bible says in Luke chapter 19, 10, that the Lord came to seek and save that which was lost. Who is that? Someone Can someone tell me who that was? It's us, isn't it? He came to seek and save that which was lost. That's why Jesus came. He came with a mission-minded focus. It was you. And if you look at your definition for missional living, it's simply this. Basic premise for a believer, a Christian, that they should be involved in the Great Commission is to be missional living. You have a mission while you're living here. It's not about gaining all the stuff. It's about making a difference. So when you see Jesus Christ face to face or the rapture takes place, you have been doing what God has asked you to do. There are so many people who live day after day after day after day, but we don't put in the equation that one day, one day, someone say one day, we're going to give an account for the way we lived. That's why every day you live, you try to make it to your fullest. Every, one day, every day's a blessing. Come on now. Every day's a blessing. Even though when things don't go right, they're challenging, you have to switch it and say, you know what? I thank God for this day because, you know, there is nothing always bad in a day. Hello, hear me now. There is nothing always bad in a day. There is always something good in your day. The question is, will you look at it? You got breath in your body? That's a good thing. You got food on the plate? That's a good thing. You got a cover over your head? That's a good thing. You got people who care? That's a good thing. There's a lot of good things taking place, even if you have a bad day. If your boss gives you a really terrible time, and you just sometimes your job is just so frustrating, you know God is good. Amen? And then when you switch it and think about the things God has provided and what he has done, it changes, it changes the way we think. Therefore, it changes the way we live. So let me take you to a portion of scripture today found in Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to read, we're going to look at six verses this morning as we think about mission-minded be mission-minded. Let's look at verse 1. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know, you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. This book is written... Uh, by Paul the Apostle while he's in prison. Watch what it says now. Goes on to say, verse 4, Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer, answer every one. Isn't that good? That's a good portion of Scripture. So the first thing I want you to see is 
be mission-minded in reaching out. There's no line there, so put a little line there. I forgot the line, and put reaching out. If you're going to be mission-minded with God, God says all through his word, I want you to reach out. Colossians 4, verse 5, which I've just read, says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make every or make the most of every opportunity. So that means that every opportunity you get is important. Being mission-minded of God's plan, God brings you opportunities. Opportunities. If I say go, I look at the word go as God's opportunity. The problem is we're not looking at what God's trying to say to us because we're thinking about what we're saying to ourselves. We're thinking about our problems. We're thinking about our situations. We're thinking about this and that. But we don't stop and say, okay, God, God, what do you want me to do? What are you speaking to me about? Lord, give me ears to hear and help me see the opportunities you put in front of me. God is always going to bring an opportunity your way. It's what we do with it. God always will bring an opportunity your way is how we handle it. So I don't know about you, but he says make the most of every opportunity. Be alert, be aware of it. What about your neighbors? You know, your neighbors are your neighbors. You have neighbors. I was growing up, and my neighbors, of course, we did not get along with each other. How many have had neighbors you didn't get along with? Anybody? Couple? For I was a very active kid, so my brothers were very active, and the ball was always going in the yard, and one particular neighbor didn't like the balls going in the yard. I mean, it was no big deal. You open the gate, you go get your ball. It wasn't like we were breaking windows. Nevertheless, it turned into an all-out feud where they would keep the balls, and even the parents got involved, and even the parents were going to get into a big fight over a ball. It just got crazy. But I want you to understand something that God says to love your neighbor. When the last time you loved those close to you, you, loved, you did something for them. Love your neighbor. How about your family members? Where are the opportunities where you can be a blessing to your family members? Not just the immediate one, but the extended ones. How about your friends? Everyday people, there are opportunities that come with us. You know, wherever you are, if you're open for God to open up an opportunity, he will. But you have to sometimes take the first step. Some of the con conversations I have with people is because I ask them, oh, how are you? That starts a giant conversation with a total stranger simply because I asked one question. I took interest in them. That's it. The second thing I want you to see this is that not only do we have to see if we're going to be mission-minded, we also have to understand the opportunities and the needs that are around us. Mission-minded people look at the needs of individuals. What, what does such and such need? They're, they're going through this. What do they need? This is how you can go on a mission for God. Somebody say mission for God. This is what often happens, though. We don't want a mission because we don't want to be inconvenienced. Hello now. Come on. See, I want to do it, here it comes, here comes the conjunction that changes things, but I don't feel like it, but I don't have time, but you know what, I really don't like them anyhow. <laughs> you see, you need to recognize you are an agent of God. Someone say an agent of God. 
And God's asking you and me to not do our life about you and me, but to do life about the other factor, and the other factor are those around us. Every opportunity represents a need. Every opportunity represents a need. People without Christ need the gospel. People without Christ needs someone to share, someone to care, someone to step in and say, hey, listen, there is a better way. People will turn to someone or something when they know that someone or something cares about them. That's where people will open their hearts. You have to see God's opportunity. Mission-minded people are looking at people the way God is looking at them. Hello. How does that happen? How does that happen? It happens by spending time with God. It happens by getting to know God, getting in the Word. If you don't get in God's Word, you're never going to get to know the personality of God. You're never going to get to know the character of God. It's getting into God's, God's heart by spending time with God. Now look at this portion of Scripture that we find in John. Check this out. John chapter 4. How many remember Jesus and the Samaritan woman? How many know the story? Remember that? Jesus and Samaritan woman, if you look here at, at verse 7, it says this. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that asked for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would give you the living waters. She says to him, Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater, listen to this, than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Someone say praise the Lord. This story is about Jesus having an opportunity and seeing a need. And Jesus is now going to talk to a woman who's an outcast. She is getting water Late in the day, which no one gets water late in the day because of the heat, but because she wants to avoid all of the chitter-chatter, she is going later to get her water. She is an outcast, and she happens to be a woman who's had five husbands, and the one she's living with is not her husband, and Jesus confronts her because he cares for her and because he uses water as a way of getting an open conversation. He asked for a cup of water. Can you give me some water? She says, why you, a Jew, talking to me, a Samaritan? That's something that doesn't happen. Not only that, he's a male and she's a female, and that's another aspect that shouldn't happen. Jesus broke all of the barriers. Jesus opened the conversation by asking for her to get him some water. Why? Because he had an idea of showing her how to get eternal waters. I want you to get this for a moment, that your conversations with people will happen when you understand that there's an opportunity and there's a need, and just sometimes by asking a question can lead you to help that person find the answer. 
That's what we're all here for. And all of us need someone to step in our life during the seasons of life. Someone say amen. amen. That was a weak amen. Everybody needs someone to step into our lives during our seasons we go through. Say amen. amen. Well, that's so much better. It's the truth. You know, God stepped into our world in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What did Jesus do? He left heaven and came into the world so that we could have eternal life. He was meeting a need. What was our need? We were separated from the Father. What did we need? We needed forgiveness. What did Jesus provide? He provided that forgiveness, that relationship. If there's one thing we want is relationship but we never go to the one who created it. That's the problem. Let me show you another thing that we need. So we need to be mission-minded people that sees God's opportunity, mission-minded people that sees the needs, that we meet the needs, but we also need to know that mission-minded people is being responsible for what God brings into our life. Every need represents an opportunity, and every opportunity comes responsibility. So Jesus gave the great command and the great commission. Let's look at this for a second. These are powerful. Most of us know this, Mark 12, 29, 30-31. The most important one Jesus answered is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And second is love your neighbor, even though they're taking your balls away. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Did you get that? Did you understand the aspect of this, of God saying, this is how you ought to live? And then the Lord said, in these two laws, wrap everything together. 613 laws the Jewish people had, and God wrapped them all up on these very two right here. You see, there's a responsibility for us. If we have family members who are not saved, if we have friends that are not saved, if we have co-workers that are not saved, we cannot just go through life saying, oh, well, it is your responsibility, it is my responsibility to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because one day the rapture will take place. And they will go. They will go up in the rapture in a twinkling of an eye. Come and say, be ready. It's important for you and I to understand that. Look at the great, uh, the great commission and the great command found in this. Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples. What do you mean make disciples? Yeah, it's something where you need to be involved in people's lives. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. I am with you always, even to the end of age. Someone says promise. There's a promise in this. God says, go, and I'm with you. How many like that? Have you ever gone on a journey in the car, and uh, you've been to a place you've never been to, that some, the people are not with you, and you're driving, and, uh, and all of a sudden you get lost? How many of you got lost before? Come on. And you didn't have GPS. You didn't have... Paul is global position. Uh, or Paul is personal solution. Uh, I have a couple of GPS. Uh, but never, nevertheless, when you don't have GPS, you're lost. But isn't it nice when you have somebody in the car who knows where they're going? And all of a sudden, you're about to take a turn and they say, don't do that. Why not? Because that's not the way you're going to go. You're going to get lost. Oh, okay. And you see, 
We all need to help each other out. The Lord says he's with us on our journey. He's beside us. He's under us. He's over us. He's in front of us. He's in the back of us. That's what the scripture says. And he says he wants you to pay attention to the needs. He wants you to be responsible. He's going to give you the opportunity so you can be mission-minded for him. You only have one life to make a difference for Jesus. One life. And most people know more about God, but they don't do what God says. You know the difference between the person who knows God but doesn't do it and the person who doesn't know God? Nothing. It's like the person who has the answer for cancer but never shares it with anybody. You and I have the answer. Look at your neighbor and say, you got the answer? Tell him, you got the stuff. You got the stuff. Come on, say it with a little sag to it. You got the stuff. <laughs> you see, God says that he's given it to you and he's with you on the journey. And he says, go and make disciples and take your life and invest it in someone else and then have them invest it in someone else. And one of the places you and I need to start is our own family. I should have had an amen there. It was really quiet. But it's true. I mean, listen, I've worked, I mean, I've really tried, I pray for my family every single day. I have a list of people I pray for. So many of them gotten saved and have a relationship with Jesus. There's still some, they're on their way. And we're believing the Lord. It's so important because life is too precious. We have to live mission-minded. And so it's important. Very, very important. So, as you understand that we need to do, have, understand the need and uh, understand the opportunities and, and, and meet those needs and be responsible, there's an, another one that I want you to fill in that blank this morning, and it's this. Be mission-minded, being bold, or boldness. You can put either one, bold or boldness. Grammar is not too good this morning. Not too good. What do you think of that one? <laughs> Colossians 4.3, look what it says. And pray for us too. This is Paul the Apostle asking for prayer. I want you to get this. That God may open a door of our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. He's in chains, guess what? And he's asking that you pray for him so he can get out of prison. Do you hear that? Hello? Do you hear him getting out of prison? Because he said, please pray for me. Get me out of this terrible place. No, he's praying. He's asking for prayer so that when he speaks the message, he can proclaim it with boldness. This is, this is, this is powerful. This is where Paul the Apostle's heart is. The disciples are under persecuting. Uh, they're being persecuted. They're proclaiming the resurrection of Christ, um, and they pray for, to God for boldness. Look what it says in Acts. This is powerful. Uh, James, um, Peter, and, uh, Peter and John uh, have been in prison. Um, and God does this whole thing. He, they come to the believers. They tell them about what God had done. God's looking for bold love for God. God's looking for you be a person who loves God boldly. Let me ask you a question. What, what, what do you stick up for real strong? What do you like? If someone does something and you, you, you're quick to say something about it, what is that? What topic is it? Your, your kids, the flag, 
I mean, everybody has some of these topics and stuff. But are you, are you quick to love God in such a way to be like a David? You know, David comes into the camp and his Goliath there and he's offending the, the Israelites and, and David's coming in and he's just coming to bring some snacks to his brother. He's just obeying his father, Jesse. He comes into it and he sees, here's this Goliath just say terrible things about God and the children of Israel. And he says, who does this guy think he is? David's bold love for God stands up, stands firm, stands out. While nobody's there, David had the philosophy and the mind frame that he knew who his God was, and wherever he went, he knew God was with him. He's on the journey. And when he saw Goliath, he said, ha, he's so big, I can't miss. The philosophy, the mind frame, because he knew who God was on his side. Most of us don't realize how big your God is. You don't realize how big your God is. You always look at your circumstance and your situation being bigger than who God is. But David didn't see that. He didn't see how big he was and say, oh, I'm doing the bird. He's too big for me. But he said, I'll tell you what's going to happen today. My God's going to take you down, and I'm going to feed you to the fowls of the air. You come against me with all this armor, I'm going to defeat you in the simplistic of ways. A simple sling and a rock. God gives him the strength and the ability to knock down this giant and kill him. Great victory took place for Israel that day because one person had bold love. Think about this for a moment. Where are the Davids today that are willing to stand up and stand firm? Where are the Davids that are willing to say, you know what? I'm going to be who I am because I know who, who I am persuaded and who I believe. And he is more than able to do exceedingly above all the things I even think or even ask because he's my God. See, God is either small in your mind or God is big. I have seen too much and, and been delivered by too much and been healed by so many times. God is rules and he reigns and, and he's on your side. I'm trying, I'm trying to get you to you. Know, this is something that's so true. He's big. He doesn't, nothing surprises him. He doesn't wake up and go, ooh, I didn't see that one coming. He's God. David had bold love. We have people around us, and sometimes we're afraid. We're afraid of what other people might say. Now, listen to me. You don't have to be obnoxious. You don't have to be rude. Matter of fact, I think those who are rude, and I just, I think it's wrong. You can be strong in your words and loving in your heart. You can tell the truth. Jesus did many times. He told the truth. To the woman at the well, he told the truth about her life. He talked about the elephant in the room. He spoke the truth. But because he did, great things took place, and a whole village got to hear the message of Christ. God's looking for bold love. Would you consider your love today bold? If you're going to be, if you're going to live out this Christian walk, we need to be mission-minded. God has us on this earth for such a time as this. We only have so long, and it's not very long at all. It's a vapor, as the Bible says. I want you to look at this for a second portion of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, 19 and 20. 
Paul says, and pray on my behalf, once again, and the utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. You get this? That in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought. He's in prison because he's proclaiming Jesus and he's going to proclaim it in prison. When he's praying, pray for me that I can com communicate with boldness. Sometimes I think some of God's people, and I'm going to rephrase that. I'm going to say God's people need a little bit of boldness. Of what you believe, let your belief be seen in your behavior, and let your behavior be bold with a full of love of Jesus Christ. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord because God so loves you. <laughs> Philippians 1 says this, According to my earnest expectation and hope that I shall not be put to shame in anything, but that which all, with all boldness, Christ shall even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. This is powerful. Paul says, you know, no matter what, I'm going to magnify my God. I'm going to make him large because God is large and supercharged. Thank you for that. One amen off to the left-hand side. Do I have one on the right-hand side? <laughs> I'm telling you, this is real. This is real. God is on your side. And when you look unto him on a consistent basis and you grow in your relationship, the eye has seen, the eye has not seen, the ear has not heard, nor has it entered in the heart of man the things that God has for them that... But pray for them. God has it. The best is yet to come. Look at your neighbor and say, the best is yet to come. God is looking for boldness, love that is, stands out. I, I want you to look at this. Moses is called to go back to Egypt. And God is showing a miracle after miracle. Put your hand in the, your shirt, take it out, it's leprous. What, give me your stick, lay on the ground, turns into a viper. God's showing Moses this miraculous sign. And after God does all this, what does Moses say? Um, can you get someone else to go into Egypt? <laughs> I've seen what you've done, but, but I kind of like, I really don't, I ran from that place. Fear kicks out boldness. Because your confidence is not in yourself. Be confident in this very thing that he which begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Be confident that he starts the work, he works the work, he finishes the work because he's on your side. And that's where the boldness comes from. When you know who he is, you walk a little different. But that difference is seen not in the good times. The difference is seen is when it's hard, when it's tough. When the water is coming in the boat, but you still know your God will make it float. That is when. That is when you recognize your maturity in God is growing because you're in the mess, but you still carry the message. This is the beauty of the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. Fear comes in, but God comes in in such a special way. Jeremiah 1.8, he said to Jeremiah, do not be afraid of them. For I am with you, and I will deliver you, declares the Lord. Jesus says this to the people, and do not fear those who kill the body, 
who are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body. Second Timothy, Paul says here in 1.7, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Someone say a sound mind. What happens between your ears will dictate how you walk your walk, how you think and the things you think upon. If you're going to get mission-minded, you've got to be in the Word, for the Word is a lamp unto your feet. It's what causes you to march with a purpose and live with a hunger. It's because you know who God is, the author of all things created. He's a sustainer and maker of all things. That's your God. But you don't understand my problem. This problem's really big. I don't care how big your problem is. God's better. He's bigger. He has more ways to solve one problem than you can think of. I've just seen it too much. When I have my problems, and trust me, I have many of them usually. Usually they're not mine, but they're mine to help. I tell you, God's bigger. Someone say, God's bigger. God's big thing. I mean, come on, say it with some confidence. Be confident of the very thing. Say, God's bigger. God's bigger. You gotta, it's where you put your mind. It's where you put your thoughts. You put your thoughts on the word of God. God will grow you up. God will do a work in you and through you. It's good stuff. So we need a boldness, and we need, God gives opportunity, and, and God also wants us to meet the needs, and, and God says, hey, you also have a responsibility, but then he says, I want you to have a, a love that's full of boldness that I want you to grow on and go on, and, and even Paul the Apostle is praying that you, praying, hey, will you pray for me so I can be bold in what I need to say? I want you to know this. This is really important. Look at number three on your notes. Mission-minded is being committed. This is huge. We live in a world today where people don't want to commit, but they want the benefits and the blessings without adhering to something. It doesn't work that way. A person who has a bank account and they have been putting money in a bank account or investments for a duration of 30 years, now has the accumulation of a sum of money over a process of time as it's compounded, now has this little nest egg. Why? Because they didn't spend it, they invested it, they saved it. It was a choice they made that gave a result even a benefit or a blessing. The same thing in our life. When we make God the focus point and we spend time every time with God to get his mind, to get his mission, and the more we do it, we get in a relationship with God which will bring blessings and benefits into our hearts and life. It's all about relationship. For me, God is not... As most people see God as almighty, and he is. To me, to me, my Lord is my best friend. When I talk to him, I talk to him. Early in the morning, I get up. I do not put my feet on the floor until I have a conversation with the Lord. Good morning, Lord. I'll share a little bit. Good morning, Lord. What are we going to do today? And how are you going to help me in the process? I can't, but I know you can. 
But I'm going to go into anything you bring my way, Lord, with your joy because I know, watch now, I know you're with me. And my conversations go on. And when I feel like I'm done from having what I call pillow talk, this is, I'm just sharing a little bit from me, when I have pillow talk with the Lord, I then get out of bed, start my day, and find myself in his presence. And I do not skip that no matter what. You try to get a hold of me, you're not going to get a hold of me early in the morning because I'm locked in. I do believe in the saying that I tell people, before you meet the face of man, meet the face of God. That will build your relationship. It's the only way that I can be the best me for you is spending that time with God. So be mission-minded and be committed. Look what it says here. Colossians 4, 2 and 4. Devote yourself to prayer. Someone say prayer. prayer. Being watchful and thankful. Someone say watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. Do you hear this? Do you hear that Paul is always asking others to pray? Do you see the power of prayer? If Paul's asking people to pray for him, how much do you need people to pray for you? Amen? Amen. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I proclaim it clearly as I should. I want you to get this. This is, a little, this is really important. Don't miss this right in. Commit to the cross and, and a, have a concern. My grandma this morning could be improved. Commit to the cross and a concern for the lost. When you commit to the cross, you're going to have a concern for the lost. It's going to happen. But if you're not concerned about the cross, of what Jesus Christ done for you, how he loves you, what the mission he's given, the commands he's given, how he's told you to, uh, to you know, behave and, and live, if you have no desire for the cross, then you're not going to pay attention to the lost. Let me just ask you a question. Here it goes. Here's a question. I don't want the answer. You answer in your head. How many times in a week do you find yourself in the Word of God, reading the Word of God to know God, how many times, and then correlation, how many times have you been praying for the lost, the people that do not know Jesus? I'm going to say there's usually a correlation to the amount of time we spend in the Word versus the amount of time we actually spend praying for people. And I'll tell you what, when you spend the Word in the Word of God and you spend really praying that God would reveal His love and mercy and grace and that the enemy in, in the book of Corinthians 4, 4, 1 Corinthians 4, 4 says the enemy has put scales on the eyes so they cannot understand the gospel. You pray for those that don't get it, that you, you pray that God would take those scales from their hearts and their eyes so they would get it. I pray that often. I remember the time that I got saved. I was a rascal. I know you don't believe that, but some people still th say I'm ornery, and that may be a little true. But I was a rascal. I was so far from God. But when a friend of mine who was more worse than I was, because I did hang around with a bad group of people, most of them are dead, but one guy came in, and I got him a job in my trade, and he came in as a believer. And when I came in as a believer, I could not believe it. But he shared me for about six months, and I was not an easy convert. But his compassion to help me see and help me understand the gospel and stay in there after his shift has ended, he cared for me. And because he cared for me, 
He loved the cross, and he knew his friend was lost. And he wasn't going to allow me to be separated from God. And he shared, and he shared, and he shared, and I fought, and I fought, and I fought. And he shared, and he shared, and he shared. And I fought, and I fought, and I fought. And I was now reading the scriptures just to prove him wrong. And you know the rest of the story. By reading the scriptures, God showed me I was wrong. And then I came to know the Lord in a very personal way. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think he would call me to be a minister of the greatest story ever told. And I'm grateful for that. But it says, be devoted to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. If you're in prayer, your love for your cross will increase. It's so important. That's why we have prayer. But I want you to get this. If you're committed to the cross and to the lost, then something's going to happen. You're going to start reading your Bible. You're going to be growing. You're going to be studying your Bible. Because you're never going to study unless you're a reader. You have to be a reader before you become a, a, a real good, um, I say, disciple. Where you start to study it. Not just read it. That's the first step. You start reading. From reading, you start studying. And then you start growing. That's the process. Second Timothy 2.15 says, do yourself, or let me do King James, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, uh, need, uh, to be ashamed. Listen to this one. Do, do your best to present yourself to God. One is approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who rightly corrects, handles the word of God. These, these things are important. If you want to handle the word of God, you've got to study it. Show yourself a workman, a workman unto God. And that means you're not going to be ashamed. And then you're going to have to, you'll be able to discern the word of God, divide. And what's truth? What's lie? Because we live in a world today that people are just lost. Let me just read this one more time. And can we do this together? Can we read this? It might sound a little crazy, but I'm willing to try it just so that you can, faith come by hearing and hear by the word of God. But when you read it, let's read it together. Ready? Master. Provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know. I just wanted to know how you sounded. <laughs> it's a portion of scripture of mission-minded. I started to ask the Lord, Lord, what would be good to get this home? And I thought of a story you may not know from 911. True story that took place that didn't get a lot of notary. But it happened with two Air National Guard pilots on Tuesday, September 11th, 2000, in 2001. Two Air National Guard pilots, Major Mark Sassville, nicknamed Sass, and Heather Penny, nicknamed Lucky, 
who had seen the TV footage of the two Twin Towers be hit. When they saw that, they got permission to jump into their F-16, and I was just recently in an F-16, and I couldn't get out of the cockpit when I went in it. It was quite funny. But the F-16 jets took off and hit the air looking for any rogue plane that was out there. While they're up there looking for these planes, the capital was hit. Now they understood they were looking for United Airlines 93. And so they're up there. And while they're up there, they realize they have no missiles. They have nothing on the airplane that they can actually shoot this plane down. All they have is, we're going to stop this plane from doing any more damage. You see, all the way up to 2001, they, didn't have, they do not keep missiles on the aircrafts, uh, on the planes. They do now, since 911, but before that, they didn't. It was a safety protocol. And so there they are in the air without anything to bring this airplane down, yet they are looking for this plane, and this is what Sass and Lucky come up with. Sass says, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to drive my plane into the cockpit, and you're going to drive your plane into the tail of the airplane, and we're going to take this plane down. They were on the mission. They were all set to give up their life, to sacrifice their lives for the protection of America, protection of those on the ground, and to prevent this plane on the direction it was heading not to hit the Capitol or Washington or the, or the White House. Till there they were, two individuals, all they had with a mission in mind, ready to give up their life, really for the sake of Americans. I'll even go one step further. You and I. Individuals who are willing to lay down their lives. It's so important. So important. I remember my, my nephew never came home from Iraq. He laid down his life. When people are willing to lay down their life for people they don't know. And when you listen to the interview, and if you like to, just go on YouTube and just look at, look at, and put these names if you want the names, but just look at 911 story not told, something like that. And you'll hear these two individuals, calm, cool, collective, and Mission-minded was the mission is to take down this plane no matter what. It was not going to be used as a tool of evil. They're willing to lay themselves down, drive their F-16 into two parts of the plane that bring that plane down. I want you to think about that for a second. Because on that day, on that day of 911, the terrorists were on a mission minded of evil. You can have a mission minded perspective, but doesn't mean it could be good. But God's mission is not just good, it's great. And even though these terrorists wanted to take the human lives, that day, 2,750 souls were lost, were killed in New York. 184 were 
killed in the Pentagon and 40 on Airline 93, United Airline 93. Now I want you to get this. These are the individuals that were killed. I want you to get this. This is important. If it wasn't like a man like Todd Beamer who was on Airlines 93, if it wasn't some of the other individuals that were on there that took up and said, you know what, we're going to stop this plane. And if it wasn't for them, Sass and Lucky says, you know what, the real heroes, the real heroes are the ones that were in Airline United Airlines 93 because they brought the plane down. However it happened, the plane went down because they were willing to do something and every single person on that plane died, but it, that plane never reached its destination because they had hope and perseverance, and they were on a mission. What was their mission? These terrorists were not going to rule and reign on this plane. Let me tell you something, saints. We only have one life to make a difference, and I'll be honest with you, I keep, I keep that in my mind every single day. I'm going to challenge you. To think outside the box. And sometimes I'll say, get rid of the box. I want you to understand that life is bigger. And no one's promised tomorrow. So take heed of the day that God gives you today. And say, what are you, what am I going to do for the sake of the cross? Or you can live a small box world and live it for yourself. And that's all you think about. Because we need to invest our lives in other lives so other lives can do the same because a person can't give what they don't have and that means you have to give it to them first so they can give it to someone else the real question we all have to ask ourselves are you mission-minded are you mission-minded are you mission-minded to do God's work are you mission-minded to be the best you for your family? Now, listen to what I said. The best you. Hello. You have to start somewhere. As my kids are older, I ask myself, what could I have done better? I've even sat down with all of my kids and asked them at one point, hey, what could I have done better? I heard a lot of complaints about chores. <laughs> that wasn't going to change. <laughs> but we think hindsight, but today's the day to make the adjustment. Not your tomorrow. Your tomorrow is gone. It's gone. You start today. You start today. You let God take your today. You commit your heart to God today. You give God everything today and watch what God's going to do in you and through you and around you. You have a mission before that rapture takes place, whether you pass away or the rapture takes place one way or another. We only have so much time. Do we have a mission when we meet people? Do we have a mission when we see a need? Do we have a mission when God gives us an opportunity? Do we have a mission to make a difference? We know Christ cared. How do we know that? Well, the Bible tells us that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus said, Father, I forgive them, and he opened up his arms and he died. That's love. 
We know Paul cared because here he is in prison and he's saying, hey, help me to communicate the gospel. Will you help me be bold in the areas I need to be? And we, I need help. I want to make sure that I am the best I could be. Question we have to ask ourselves today. Question we have to ask ourselves today and be honest with ourselves is, do we really care? I mean, we say we care. And nobody's perfect. We're all in the same room for improvement. Amen. And I'm in the same room for improving that you are. Question is, we just keep on, we keep working at it. Keep working. We never get to a destination by quitting. We never get to a destination by giving up. We never get to a destination by saying it's too hard. We get to the destination because we pursue God. And then when we let God, when we do our best and we let God in, God will do the rest. And I believe in that more than just a little quim, a little saying. I believe it's true. Don't get me going, because I just might preach a little longer. But do we care? So how are we going to show it? How are we going to, how are we going to let people know it? That we really are on a mission, and our mission is, yes, I want to share the gospel with you. Yes, I want you to know the joy that I have. Who is it? Who is it? I want you to start thinking about that. Who is it in your life? Who is it in your life? that you really need to share with? Who is it in your life that you really need to start communing with? Not, not being silent, but recognizing we only have one life to live and only what's done for Christ will really go forward to the next generation. One life to live, only what's done in Jesus Christ is going to make a difference. I, I want you to stop for a minute. And close your eyes. Those watching online, I want you to just close your eyes for a moment, and I want to ask you the question. If the rapture took place right now, or you, you had an accident and you went from one world to another, are you ready? Have you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins? Let's be open and honest. Let's be, is your mission all about things or is your mission really about God? Is God part of your mission of why you live and why you're here? Do you know the author of all creation? Do you understand how much he has done so you can know him? I hope you can. I hope you do. We don't realize, but no, one, no one's promised tomorrow. The Bible says, this is, this is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will. I will. I will. It's a choice of the heart. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's take nothing for granted, but take everything to the Lord. And if you don't know the Lord, if you don't know the Lord right now, right now, just say, God, forgive me. For I have sinned. I have done it my own way. I've been stubborn. I've been set in my own ways. Forgive me. That's all God wants to hear. It's so simple. It's not complicated. And just say, God, I believe you died on the cross for me. And on the third day, you rose again. Hallelujah. He defeated death and sin and the grave. That's what God did for you. And that's what God did for me. That's what God's done for us. That's what love is, and that's why Jesus did. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Jesus loved, that's why he did, because Jesus is love. So I want you right now, whether you're here or whether online, and if you've never made Jesus your Savior, this is the day, this is your new day, new day for you. And say, here I am, here I am. 
If that's you, just raise your hand. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just go, yes, yes, yes. That's me, Lord. Because God is ready to do a work in your heart, in your life. Can you stand to your feet? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we pray, before we transition, I want you to take this message and I want you to really start thinking who is in your life, who's in your life that you need to make a mission? Who's in your life that you really need to get involved with to make a mission? Be mission-minded for God. Be an agent for God so God can do something in you. Let's go before Father in prayer. Father, we are so grateful for who you are. God, I ask right now, will you do a heart, do a work in our hearts, oh God. Lord, will you, those online and those here, I pray as hearts commit their hearts to you, commit to the cross, may you do something now in their hearts that they would have a passion for the lost, that they would be your light and your soul for this such a time as this. God, we ask right now, right now, may they sense your love and your mercy and your grace for all that you have done. And Lord, will you bring the change in and through them as they recognize who you are. I pray, Father, for those online, I pray, Lord, that when they do this, they would get involved in a Bible-believing church and they start growing in the understanding of your word and your ways. God, I pray right now, touch each heart. Touch each heart, Father, in this place and those watching online, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, can we give them some praise in the house of the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell someone you're not sure you're going to love them and sit, sit down for a second. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.